Typically, what we do is we preach through books of the Bible. We just wrapped up a series on on Malachi, and before we move into our new book, we're spending a little bit of time on a vision for uh, the church. Now, Jesus sets the vision for the church, but what we're talking about here is is what does that vision translate to in terms of the local church here at the here at the parks? And Kyle teed that up last week with with really baselining on what uh, makes the church beautiful or the concept of the church as beautiful. And so for the next two to three weeks, uh, we'll see how it goes. We're going to look at specific things that God uses to make his church more beautiful. Today, we're going to look at how he forms us in terms of uh, shaping us more into the image of Christ. So we're going to look at spiritual formation. Uh, Some of you might view this as uh, discipleship. The word doesn't matter today. We'll rarely hear me say that. Uh, but really what we're talking about is how does the Lord shape and form us? So we're going to look at that. We're going to use Ephesians chapter 3 today. Uh, I love when the Spirit does this. I did not tell Sam uh, what scripture I was going to use this morning. Uh, and, and the Spirit put uh, Ephesians 3 on both of our hearts. It's a beautiful thing in itself. So he must really want us to, to listen uh, this morning as it relates to this. So let's look at Ephesians 3. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen behind me, and we're going to start with verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So as we look at uh, this verse and we, we, we set up spiritual formation, what is the, the goal of spiritual formation? How, what, what, what is God after? What is his heart after? He is after shaping us into a greater, shaping us into the image of Jesus. And he is after uh, bringing us into a greater fullness of, of intimacy with him in relationship and then deploying us uh, into the world in cooperation with his mission. Now, development is not a new thing for us. We're familiar with this. We have state things that develop in, in other aspects of our lives. Uh, I work in the business world. I'm an entrepreneur. And I know that for a young entrepreneur, there is a path that the entrepreneur takes. And depending on the stage that person is in depends on uh, how I can best come alongside that entrepreneur in helping them with their vision. So how that starts is they come in with this new idea and it's going to change the world and make a billion dollars and solve world hunger, right? So it's that level of an idea and there's great optimism. And that optimism over the course of six to 12 months peaks out as reality sets in and, and the business world grinds on them, and they realize some of their assumptions weren't, weren't quite what they thought. And so pessimism starts to sink in until that entrepreneur gets to what we call in the entrepreneurship space uh, the valley of despair. And we call it that because that's what it feels like. It feels like your dreams are crushed. I'm, I'm, on, the ro- I'm on the wrong path. Um, man, what did I do? I just you know mortgaged my house again to, to, to put this idea out there. I thought I was listening to the Lord, but... You know, how do I get in? But as we come out of that, uh, we're more humble, we're more effective in terms of, of how to operate within our, our venture. There's a path to that, and, and how um, I would come alongside or how other entrepreneurs would come alongside depends on where you are, right? As humans, we develop. There's a developmental path. I'm a, I'm a dad. 
I have a two nine-year-olds and an 11-year-old, or about to be 11 anyway, and I have loved watching them develop. And every year is a little bit different, and Michelle and I have to change our parenting styles to adapt to that, and I've loved how they've, how they've grown, um, and, and particularly the stages that they're in uh, now. I, I found a, a cache of empty candy wrappers yesterday in the garage, so I'll have to deal with that. But for the most part, I love this stage because they love their mom and dad. They want to spend time with us. They ask great questions, which uh, from, from my perspective is, is great, right? Uh, and, and they think that we're cool. And I know that as they go into their teenage years, uh, that trend is going to continue. And their humility is going to increase. And their passions are going to become you know, more aligned and muted. And no, that's not, that's not what happens. Valley of despair. Is that what happens? Yeah? But they come out of it. Yeah? I think I was 30 when I came out of it. So maybe there's, maybe there's hope. But there's a developmental phase for, for how we are shaped as, as humans. And that's no different as, as we look at how the Lord engages with us and how he shapes us and draws us into a greater intimacy with himself. And he's doing a number of things as he does that. Uh, and we're going to look at those in context today in terms of the pathway. But uh, I just want, he, he's doing a number of things. And one, one is that he is changing our heart's desire. So from the time we, we get introduced to Jesus to as we mature in the faith, our heart's desire starts to change. Our will starts to become in alignment with his will, the things that we value, the things that we love. The patterns of prayer in our lives change. If you've noticed this, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, uh, our, our patterns of prayer changes, not just in when we're praying, but the way that we pray, the way that we engage with the Father becomes more intimate as we grow in our faith and as the Lord uh, shapes us into that image. And, and from, a, from a spiritual growth standpoint, if you're looking, at, looking for something to help you gauge, am I growing? Is, is, how is this happening? Our prayer life is the best barometer that we have in terms of, of how the Lord is, is shaping us. Uh, the key activities that we engage in look different as we mature. The way that the enemy engages with us looks different. And I would remind you that the enemy, in this case, knows our process of development really, really well. He's really, really crafty. And I would also remind us that uh, the enemy is not made up of, of prior koala bears and hamsters, right? They're not, it's not a cute enemy. Uh, they're made up of angels who are, who are very, very powerful. And every time they showed up in the Bible, uh, man was, was terribly afraid. So, so we need to take those things seriously as the enemy uh, takes our path of development really, really seriously, right? G- how Jesus engages with us changes as, as we mature. Uh, he, he disciplines us in different ways as we become uh, stronger in the faith. And he's replacing that, those desires in our hearts. We can handle a little bit more of his discipline. And counterintuitively, it actually can get uh, a little bit more difficult as we go because the discipline of the Lord starts to shape us more and more as we're able uh, to handle that. And then lastly, the keys for our growth start to change as well. So spiritual disciplines and practices, uh, we do that from the very beginning here at the Parks Church. You get those in the mail every week. Uh, Those things are important all along the way, but how God uses those and some some focuses that he puts on those change a little bit depending on uh, what stage of of growth that we're in. I saw a quote from John Piper. Some of you guys know him. And and he was reminding us that uh, God is always doing... 10,000 things in your life. And you might 
be aware of, of one or two of them. Right? And so we're going to look at some of those things today, zoom out and, and get a perspective on what God's doing over the course of our growth, over our lifetime. But before we do that, I want to caveat. And honestly, I could probably spend one service caveating before we even get into it. Because our Western minds, when we start talking about pathways, what do they do? They go to ladders and progress. And so we, we need to, to guard against that. And, and we need to, to check ourselves before we get into looking at how the Lord shapes us by reminding us of, of how to use this information properly. So the first thing is God's love for you is perfect. His love for you was perfect before the foundation of the earth. And as you uh, go through the, the stages of development, there's going to be some bumps along the way. No doubt it's going to get pretty tough and we're going to fail. And you need to know that his love for you is full in the beginning as it is as you mature. His, his, uh, the cross, is, it covers the, the whole spectrum. Second, God is sovereign, which means his timing is sovereign. And he is going to develop us in the way he sees fit. You cannot control God's timing on your life. If you have not learned that lesson yet, uh, you will. Very painful lesson. Uh, but we have to remember that as we look at the way that God shapes us. Third, his way is not linear. This is not a, a formula. So you can't put two in and then get three and, and, and try to control it in that way. Everyone's going to have a unique journey. Everyone's going to experience this a, a little bit uh, differently. And it happens over the course of our lives. But we have to remember that although there is a generic pathway, we're often in multiple stages at the same time. So we may be further developed in one area uh, than another. And so that can, that can be confusing to us sometimes as we're trying to wrestle with, we've got this really beautiful intimacy here, uh, but we don't seem to have it here. And through our prayer life, God brings those to the surface and helps us, helps us deal with those. And then lastly, uh, caveat, uh, while Jesus is the destination, we, we are trying to be formed more into the image of Christ, into a greater intimacy. Jesus is also the pathway. So Jesus is the way. So as we're, as we're thinking about this, he's, he's not outside. He's not waiting on us to get to some step or stage. Jesus is the way, and there is no path without Jesus there. Okay? So as we look at your entire life in 15 minutes, which is what I'm going to attempt to do, uh, I don't really want you to, to worry about taking notes. The, the four of you guys that take notes, don't worry about it today. Um, just, just listen for the heart of God and listen for how much he cares about the intimate pieces of how you are being developed. And I want to start with putting our faith in Christ. So that's, that's the step I want to start with. Certainly God is engaged and cares deeply about you prior to you putting your faith in Christ. He gives you the ability to do that in the first place. But I want to talk about this, uh, start with you putting your faith in Christ. And this is a, a really beautiful moment in the life of, of the believer. We celebrate that in a big way here at the Parks Church, do we not? Right, with baptisms. Um, we start to get a hunger for the scripture. And as we read the scripture and put our faith in Christ, uh, God illuminates that and starts to teach us more about who he is. So we certainly learn that leading up to this, but we get to learn that in a new way as he teaches us who God is and he teaches us who we are and how those two things fit together uh, is critical uh, during, during this uh, particular phase, right? Our prayer life starts to take shape uh, we start to have conversations with God and to bring him our desires and to bring him what we're thinking. And we're having mainly talking to God, uh, bringing him, those things to him. Uh, and Jesus starts to, starts to move within our prayer life. And we start to feel that. And as that 
happens, uh, we grow and we're shaped. And it's critical during this stage of, of life that our brothers and sisters, and anytime I say, I'm going to use that a lot today, anytime I use the word brothers and sisters, it means the church. It means you and I, right? So it's critical at this stage that our brothers and sisters are uh, heavily invested in discipling us and teaching us what it looks like to follow Jesus, giving us a model for how we follow Jesus in our everyday life so that we know what to aim for. We know what to shape in terms of our life. And then as we, as we grow, this feels like a lot of work, right? Anytime you learn something new, it feels like a lot of work. But as, that, as we learn more and more about what God's principles are, we move into a battle. And that battle comes because as, as we learn more and more about the statutes of God and, and, and kingdom values, those kingdom values come into conflict with what? Our values, right? The way we see the world, how we live our life, what our will is. And so this battle ensues between the kingdom and our way of life. And it can feel really, really, really tough. Our hearts almost feel like they're on fire as we're wrestling through this. And we're trying to figure out, you know, what is what and what is truth. And, And we need our brothers and sisters to step in and remind us of what truth is. Jesus, during this phase, does a beautiful thing in that he uses those failures that will come as we're maturing here to repurpose them for things that we need to submit to him. He's very gentle and and very patient. Uh, But the enemy is crafty, and the enemy, particularly here, makes us feel like we're the only one. You are the only one who struggles with this. You do not fit with your brothers and sisters. You are alone in the struggles that you're going with. And Jesus reminds us, um, that we're not. And, and he's gentle and, and is reminding us, I am better. I am better. I am better, whether we can hear it or not. And our brothers and sisters are critical during this phase in helping us, helping us see that. And as we believe that, as we step into that, we realize that God can use us. God can use us. We, we, we are who he says we are, like we sang today. And so we step into following Jesus in ministry. And our heart starts to change in ter- towards a posture of service towards the kingdom. How can we be used in the kingdom? We start volunteering more. We start engaging our neighbors more. We start uh, evangelizing more. We feel more comfortable with our faith. And, and, and we want to tell everyone how and what Jesus is doing uh, within our lives. And so our, our posture of service comes to uh, this idea that what would Jesus do? And we do it. What would Jesus do? And we do it. And so it's this active phase of, of serving the Lord uh, faithfully uh, in his, his different areas of ministry. For a lot of us, what also happens here is we start to reevaluate what work is. So most of us work in uh, the, the business world or, or, or stay-at-home moms. We're, we're not in professional ministry, if you will. We're, we're a pastor. And so we start to think about, well, what does it really look like to work for the kingdom? Can I work in the business world and, and still be used for kingdom purposes? And we start to process through that and, and, and get a better idea of, of what that looks like in our lives. And the enemy, I would say, uh, loves this face. And, and it sounds counterintuitive because it sounds like for, for the first time we're being deployed into the kingdom. We're being used for good things. But the enemy loves that because if he can steer that, that activity and, and that mindset to the things of God... Even though they're good things, if he can keep our, our schedules full 
of doing good things, then maybe he can keep us from a deepening intimacy with the Father. And so it is completely possible to serve God and do good things and to know God, but not have a deepening intimacy. And so the enemy knows that as well, right? And so he attempts to do that. But our brothers and sisters in this phase play a huge part because what they do is they come alongside us and they help us see that we need to shift our prayer life from adoration and confession and thanksgiving and supplication only and spend some of our prayer time listening to what God would have us do, to spend time listening. And as we shift from doing and we start to, to, to open up our time and, and to keep our hands open for what the Lord might have for us, he does this really, really amazing thing. He lets us experience his presence in an entirely new way. And, and I, would, I would categorize this level of, of presence. Have we felt the presence of God before in our, our, in our shaping? Absolutely. It, it's how we got here. And we felt him moving in our prayers. We've seen him working. We felt him in worship. This presence, though, is different. This presence is a, an intimate presence that is ruining. It's a ruining presence in that we really don't have a reaction for it other than to just sit in it. To just sit in it. Most of us end up crying during this phase for no reason. You be walking along and you start crying because the presence of God is so adamant in your life. You're not sure what to do with it. Like, what, what is this? Where did this, this come from? And it can be a really confusing time because we're still active in these, these ministry things and we're doing the good things for the Lord. But all of a sudden, this thing over here seems uh, much more attractive. And, and what I mean by that is that this, this presence, this longing develops, and, and all we want is whatever that is. And in this stage, it's very difficult for us to identify what that is. And, it, and this, as the Spirit starts to illuminate what that is, our brothers and sisters play a key role here in, in helping model contempla- contemplative prayer and, and, and helping us understand what just happened in terms of our relationship with God. It seemed to have shifted from me doing for God to me being with God. And how does that work? How does that work? Right? Our brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters help us see that. And so as the Spirit uh, identifies what that longing is, and He does... We realize that that longing feeling that we're looking at, that, that, that we feel, is a longing for oneness. It's a longing for oneness with the Father. And it shifts our lives <clears throat> to where intimacy drives everything. So before we had this, we want to, to, to worship God. We want to serve Him. We want to show our love to the Father. We want to spend time where He's working, do what He does uh, to this greater level of intimacy and we have to we have to work out what that looks like and so we start to free up our schedules it's hard for us here we start to free up our schedules because we just want to spend time with the father and and, and see what it is that that he's doing and as we spend time with the father he starts to reveal that uh, the sin in our life is actually much deeper than we thought and i think this is a great mercy actually so what, what happens is our sin becomes an iceberg, if you will, where we thought sin was the activity above the water. And what God does here is he's revealing that, no, actually, it's this infinite deep thing that sits underneath the water 
uh, that still needs, still needs a lot of work. And I think it's a great mercy that he waits this long in terms of our, our growing intimacy with him to reveal it. Uh, because if we're not prepared for that, and if he's not disciplined and shaped us to such a degree that we can handle that level of depth, um, it can be quite crushing. All right? And so he starts heart surgery and starts to shift <clears throat> what it is that, that we care about. And, and moves us into a, a holy passion where we get a picture for being in Christ and what that really looks like in terms of living it out. We've read it hundreds of times, right? In Paul's letters, he uses the term in Christ 90 times. So you can't miss it. So if you, if you have read the New Testament, you have heard the phrase in Christ plenty of times, right? But we start to get a picture for what that, what that actually looks like and that shapes a preoccupation with God that we didn't have before. So, so our will over time starts to shift to come into alignment with what the Father's will is. And so we become preoccupied with that. Our schedules look preoccupied with that. We start serving from a place of intuition. So before we served out of a place of obligation and then we served out of a, a sense of, of love for the Father. Now we're just intuitively serving because we are being formed more into the image of Christ, and that becomes something that naturally comes from our hearts, where it didn't before. And, and when we kind of sense that and we see that, that outer working that we haven't experienced before, we realize that didn't come from us. That, that's clearly the Spirit's work in our lives, and it's this, this really beautiful moment. I, our brothers and sisters are critical here in, in helping us see what an increased cooperation looks like with working with the Spirit and coming under that. And I saw, I saw a, a quote, if you will, from, from Mother Teresa. Most of you guys know who Mother Teresa is? Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's done some pretty amazing work or did amazing work. And this reporter was doing uh, an interview with her. And the reporter was fascinated by her love and passion for the poor. And so the reporter said, Mother Teresa, tell me about your passion for the poor. It's so amazing. And Mother Teresa says, I have no passion for the poor. And the reporter's kind of stunned by that because that, her entire life is, is wrapped up with that. And Mother Teresa, without, without blinking an eye, says, uh, my passion is for Jesus, and Jesus loves the poor. Therefore, I spend time and serve the poor with a full heart. And, and we start to see a picture of what it might look like then as we move into um, the tail end of our development into unity with what the Spirit is doing and into union with the Father. Now, is this the end of the road? Not, not by a long shot, right? Our Father is infinite. Therefore, coming into his fullness is an eternal matter. But the, but the Lord has shaped us in such a way that we can realize and, and step into some things that we really couldn't understand before. And this, this language of marriage that, that Jesus uses, that's the most intimate relationship that we're, that we're aware of and familiar with here on earth. Then that, that marriage of, of the church and Jesus starts to make starts to make a lot more sense. We, we start to embody it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So these things that we've read over and over just become a reality in our lives as, as we come into a union with uh, the Father. Our lives are marked by an attentive silence. The full spectrum of disciplines are there in our lives. We have this unconscious self-forgetfulness. That's one thing I, I long for. I, I want all of these things. I would love that to be true. But this forgetfulness of self, man, is, is really up there on, on, on my list of, of needing the Lord to, to shape me uh, personally. And, and ultimately what we see is this is a fulfillment of 
John 16 of, of Jesus. He's praying for not just the disciples, but for us. And this deep longing for oneness. And, and he goes through this oneness like we have. We, we, he's praying for that we would be, have this union, this oneness with him and, and the Father and the Spirit, but, but also with, with each other. And so this, this phase of our lives marks this, this culmination here on earth of, of coming into this oneness. So these, these are the, an example, high, super high level of, of the links the Father is willing to go to bring you into a greater intimacy with himself. And this kind of commitment forces us to answer the question of why? Why would he do that? Why would the creator of the universe, the king of the universe, deploy so much at such a great cost to himself? He sends Jesus to the cross. He deploys his spirit into our lives to, to help us. He, every day for the entire life, the, the entire time that we're here, mercy and grace and patience as he shapes and disciplines and forms us, he deploys his church into our lives to help come alongside that mission of shaping us. Why would he do that? Because he loves us. Because he loves you. And because as we saw last week in setting up why the church is so beautiful, the point of all of this is so that through the church, the wisdom of the Lord would be made known. And that through the church, the glory of the Lord would be made known. So what do we do with that? What, what is a church who has a father who loves them that fiercely? What do we do with that? All right. First thing we have to do is, is reset our filters a little bit, right? Who is the primary actor in our spiritual formation? As we just laid that out, who is the primary actor? Jesus. Jesus is the primary actor. And at what phase in our shaping and development and the Lord's discipline were the people of God not actively engaged and involved in our shaping? Right? Right? The, every stage, right? The people of God are engaged in every stage. And we start to see that Jesus's mission then is, is not just to create enlightened, useful, right? Church members. It's not his goal. Now those things come and, and we become enlightened. We become deployed for the kingdom, right? We become uh, good, morally behaved people, those things are good, and those things come. But that's not Jesus' primary mission. His, his primary mission is to shape us into a greater intimacy. Therefore, the structures of the church have to be aligned with that mission. And so when we look at shared practices and practice groups and formation groups and how we do mentorship and discipling, how we do Bible studies, all of those things, and, and really the base of that is covenant partnership. As we look through the, the, the path of formation and how Jesus engages with our life at a really intimate level, did, did, did any of that sound like something that we could pick from a menu? No, no. For us to do that and for us to, to step into how God wants to shape us, we need to be in covenant relationship with one another to be able to do that. Shaping and forming is a very intimate thing that requires a commitment on behalf of God's people to each other as God makes the church 
more beautiful. Therefore, all of these things that, that we do that you hear about here at the Parks Church and Covenant Partnership starting up next week, some of you need to get in that. Some of you need to do that. You've been, you've been coming for a while. You need to step into covenant relationship with us and start walking in some of these formation things. You cannot do it without the church. That is how God designed it. He has woven us together so that he might make us more beautiful through each other. That's what he does. That's how he works. And we start to see that, or hopefully then, we start to become a people who see people the way Jesus sees them. Where Jesus sees them. And, and our goal in life is, is not to step in and fix. Our goal in life is not to step in and, and judge and, and say, hey, you should be at this phase or that phase. None of that. Our goal in life should be to see where Jesus has them and to step into cooperation with what the Spirit is doing, to love each other as these deep works of process that we really are. Is anyone else deeply in process? I mean, I'm deep in it in terms of, of, of being in process. So as we do that, how, you know, there, there are different ways to do that, certainly. I want to I touch on two. One is our stories have to become the way that we communicate. And what I mean by that is that we have to, to build into our language, and, and many of you do this because I've had conversations with you. We have to build into our language how it is that the Lord is engaging with us. We have to tell those stories. That has to become how we communicate so that we can see the Lord working in each other's lives, that we can come into cooperation with that, so that we can be encouraged by that, so that we can see that we're not the only one. Has anyone else felt that, where they feel like they're, I'm the only one? It seems like everyone else has it figured out and has their stuff together. I'm the only one who doesn't. Man, I'm not doing very good. We've all felt that to some degree or another. And, and our stories are an important element of keeping us in sync with that, of being able to see, no, we're all deep, deeply a work in process. No, the Lord is working in all of our lives. The Lord is doing unique things in all of our lives, right? And our stories are a way to, to, to share that. And I hope that as, as that as that starts to happen, as we start to have that culture, I hope, I hope the inheritance that we leave um, from, from the adults in the room, we did a, a baby dedication in the first service. What a great way to start off this particular message uh, is in, in this new life that, that God is going to engage and shape and how he is going to use this church and you to step into that and, and to help make his glory known uh, to truly was the, was the little girl's name. Um, I hope our inheritance becomes a deep, deep culture of growing intimacy that we don't leave truly and our kids with, with great religious routines and, and depth of knowledge without depth of relationship, without depth of intimacy with the Father, that we have a culture of modeling that and stepping into each other's lives in a way that helps us move into that greater intimacy. Doing the things of God, certainly. Being used by the kingdom, certainly. Growing in knowledge, certainly. But growing in intimacy, and that intimacy driving those things from there. An inheritance of unity. An inheritance of unity in the faith. To inherit something, to leave something as an inheritance, what has, what's a prerequisite of that? You have to have it. We have to have it. And we need our Father to do what He does and, and make this church beautiful and, and submit uh, to that. We know that the psalmist says, unless the Lord builds the house... 
those who build it build in vain. And so I, I love the the song that the team wrote. We we sang this morning. The author. I'm not going to sing it. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> he holds the pen. He holds the pen. And no matter the page, our hope is in the cross. And so fittingly, fortunately, you can say this after after every med- after every message. But uh, fittingly, we are going to do communion together this morning to to remember. The cross, the cross is what starts this thing. The the cross is what makes it possible to even step in to be formed. The cross is also uh, what makes the forming. And so we're going to remember the cross this morning with communion. So if you, when you came in, you should have gotten one of these COVID-friendly communion packets. If you don't have one, raise your hand. We've got some, we've got some, we've got some up here. We've got a few ushers that'll help us with that. Thanks, guys. And as we step into communion, as, as, I, was, as I was preparing this week, I was, I was thinking about communion in the context of how the Lord forms us in, in these pages, right, that, that, that he develops us through. And I, I was thinking about the night that, that he started, started this. And, and he's sitting in this upper room with these people, that he deeply, deeply cares about. And he's thinking about them, and he's thinking about us. He's fully human, so he has the full range of emotions of, of what we feel. And he wants them, I just know it, he, he wanted them to feel the fullness of, of what this means. But it wasn't their time. It wasn't their time yet. And, and what a weight that must have been on him to want them to feel that, knowing that they would come to that re- revelation in a few days, what this was really meaning, what he was saying. Um, but to sit in that and, and to love them as they stumbled and tried to figure out what he meant. Was his love for them any less then than it was later? No. It's just this really beautiful picture. But we know the story, Right? We know what happens. We know what this means. And so we, we would ask that if this is the only thing that we do here at the parks that's closed. And so if, if you do not, if you've not placed your trust in Jesus, we would ask that, that you would sit this out. I'd love to, to chat with you about that um, after this. But for those of you who have put your, put your trust in, in Jesus, let's, let's take communion together and remember the cross. The way that, the way that he made for us. I'm having trouble with my cup. I wonder if he had trouble. Probably not. All right, well, you guys are going to do it without me. So, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and after giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. And in the same way, he took the cup. And he said, "My, this is my blood, the new covenant. Take this in remembrance of me.
Father, our hearts are full. They're full. As we consider the depth and the lengths that you go to, not only to give us life, but to give us life abundantly, to call us to yourself, to call us into intimacy. We don't have words. We don't have words. Thank you for the cross that that makes it possible for us to even have this conversation. Thank you for your spirit who helps and shapes. Thank you for Jesus, the example, our Lord. So we ask that as we as we go from this place, that your spirit would be active and at work in us as individuals, that you would help us see we are woven together as your church. Make us beautiful, Father. You hold the pen. We trust you. Help us. Help us to to see that your lines for us fall in pleasant places. Thank you for this morning, Father. Thank you for these people. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.